Welcome to the Woo Woo Woman podcast. My name is Shelly and I'm your host. I'm a self-taught astrologer, modern mystic, yogic guide, and women's empowerment coach living in the South Florida area. This podcast was created with the intention to share the tools, people, and modalities that have continued to help me shift and heal to up-level my life in efforts to inspire and encourage you to do the same. Thank you so much for being with me. Hello and welcome to the Woo Woo Woman podcast. I have an amazing guest with me here today, someone who is very, very special to my heart and who has assisted me through yoga and all things life. We have here Scott Feinberg, who is an interactivism coach, founder of Kula Yoga Shala, and author of Reverse Graffiti. And we're here today to talk about a culmination and a beautiful blend of these intricacies of life that have helped mold him and how he in turn is helping mold other people. So thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me, Scott. It's such an honor. And like we mentioned before, offline is kind of full circle. So I did yoga teacher training at Kula Yoga Shala in 2000. I think it was like 14. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it's 2014. And I was just doing it in my mind too, trying yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. yeah I was trying to figure it's it out been a while. Too. It's been a while. And I remember vividly kind of going to various different yoga studios and trying to figure out where I wanted to get my teacher training. And of course, mutual friend Nikki was like, you got to go to Scott's class. And I went to one of your classes and I was like, whoa, I feel like I'm on drugs. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> And I was like, I need to talk to you. We spoke and I knew then and there that this is where I wanted to get my teacher training. And to this day, people are like, where did you get your training? I'm like, you got to go to Kula. You got to go to Scott's class. And it's just so amazing to have you here talking about your book, talking about what you do, what you're putting out there in the world and how, like I said, just like not only helping um, other people mold and grow, but also I feel at the same time you growing in yourself because from where you were then to where you are now, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> mm. So tell us a little bit about like what you have going on, you, where this all came about and how they are all weaved together. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I just wanted to take a moment to, uh, <laughs> to receive that beautiful introduction. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it's an honor to, to be here and to, to share in the work that you're doing. And I'll, I'll just um, also mirror back to you that from that day that we met to watch you move through your teacher training and then what has blossomed out of it has been really incredible. And I'm sure you can relate now that you're in that seat of the teacher and guide to um, see the people that you have the gift and honor and blessing of walking alongside that little part of their journey with mm. just start to really flourish. It's the, um, you know, it, it really is the most confirming uh, feedback that you can get that your work is working. And, you know, to see you step into the seat and utilize your voice and make an impact in the way that you have. Uh, Nikki, you mentioned same, you know, she's mm -hmm. really just taken off with it. And 
Um, I, I mean, I literally have goosebumps running down my arm <laughs> right so now. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's the ripple effect that we, yes. you know, we received it from someone, we pay it forward to other people and, and it just keeps moving. And, and I think that that, the work that we get to talk about today and that we do in our lives, to me is the most essential work being done um, right now in our planet. And I don't mean that in a, you know, self-aggrandizing way at all. I mean it in a in really in a deeply humble way that we get to, right? There's mm-hmm. a getting to that um, all that lives within the invisible that ultimately becomes visible, that we get to sort of be like a, an ushering uh, or like midwifing that process, so to speak. And what a gift it is to be part of somebody's alchemy where we encounter what feels stuck inside of us. And we start to lean into that with curiosity, with compassion, with sensitivity and patience as well. And, and we slowly start to, to mold and morph that into our offerings. And, and so I think it, it's this recognition that the things that we thought were in the way are actually the way they're, they're like the gateway into all of the, um, the things that give us character, the things that give us um, adaptability, the things that give us authenticity and compassion in a a genuine way of understanding one another's journeys and really being able to be present and see one another, that can only come from really going through our own process. So so yeah, so for all that's present in our, our shared space today, I just celebrate that and appreciate the opportunity to be here, share a little bit about the book, about my work and, and really just to flow with the conversation where it takes us. Yeah. So beautifully said, thank you so, so much. Um, Felt that right in the hearts, right in the hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to touch about like on something that you said about like these different facets of like who we are, which truly they are, because for me, when I think of a diamond, diamond allows light in right? And we are the light, but the various different facets allow us to shine in different ways. And like you said, sometimes we think that these things that are like blocks or barriers are actually there to help us to create that pressure, to create that diamond, to create that opportunity. And at the very same time, having the courage. And when I think of courage and you take that apart, it's core, it's heart, right? It's having the heart to, to step into that light as well. And, you know, it's so, I'm so, you know, in awe about how you've developed this book and wrote this book because I myself have kind of been like, oh, should I write something? I don't know if I should write something like we mentioned before. And it's so empowering to see other people do it and step out with such courage and knowing that that courage and that, you know, book per se came from such an authentic place that it really does allow other people to see your light and say, wow, I'm able to do that too. I'm able to step into that too. And what's in it. And like I said before, um, throughout this past couple of weeks, I've been kind of like fingering it and just like hitting on random pages in which everyone, you know, touches me. And more oftentimes than not, the one that I land on is exactly the one that I needed to hear for the day. Mm. And it's so beautifully put together. And 
such a montage of life in and of itself too. So it's just like, not just the way that the words flow together, but the truth that is in it as well is so potent. Mm, Thank you so much. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you speak about your relationship to it. And it was definitely written with that intent that one could just kind of flip through it, open up a page and have something digestible to absorb and sit with for mm-hmm. the day or coming days and return to time and again. So it's not written sort of, you know, it's not chapter by chapter. It's a collection of prose and poetry. Yes. Uh, some of them were written as spoken words. Some of them are guided meditations. It's a little bit of a, an amalgamation of different expressions of how it comes through me. Uh, but it, it's what's neat about it when you talk about it being like, the authenticity within it. Most of this book is when I visualized the the writing process coming through was (laughs) me laying in bed in pretty rough states of my human journey Mm. and processing and writing is my form of therapy. And it's how it clarifies itself for me and the takeaways that I've had from the processes. And some of them there are in the middle of it. And some of them reflect hope and some of them despair and some of them are commingled in, in all those places, but it really is written from being in, you know, the, the depth or the nectar of the, experience itself. And I think the the general way that I would speak to it, and, and this is actually one of the pages in the book, it's just a one sentence on the page, and it's that our humanity isn't an indictment on our spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this term reverse graffiti is, you know, if you've ever seen the art form, it's really incredible for anybody that's listening. Reverse graffiti is the idea of like, we're, we're walking down a city and we see a wall and uh, and and the, the book begins with this question, have you ever seen a dirty wall? And most of us would just go, yeah, of course we have. And the truth is that we haven't. What we've seen is the accumulation of dirt on a wall. And we've mm-hmm. conflated the conditioned nature of the wall with the essential nature of the wall. So we collapse them in and we just assume that. And then what reverse graffiti is, is it's a it's an artistic Uh, expression where an artist will take like sponges to the dirty areas and start to clear them away and the juxtaposition of the essential nature of the wall with the conditioned uh, or learned nature of the wall creates this beautiful artistry it's it's the holding of our human condition and our deeper essence together that makes our artistry so yes we are revealing what is innate beneath it but at the same time, we're not getting rid of our humanness. It's it's actually the two together that make it art. Yeah, the molding. I've seen some people do the reverse graffiti with pressure cleaning too. Well, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll do it with like trees or whatever. And it is so fascinating. It does really, like you said, hold, you know, the natural aspect of what's happening on that wall over past years and all of that, but also being able to find beauty within that as well. And knowing that we are the co-creators of that, right? We can look at that dirty wall and we can marinate on the fact that it's a dirty wall, or we can allow that to put 
pressure and help us build like where we ultimately need to go and create from maybe that place of darkness. Like you said, in that human conditioning, like for me, I wrote down when I write, I am like in, in bringing together my mind, my body, and my spirit at that very moment. Cause my body's writing, my mind is focusing on what I'm writing and my heart is just kind of like pouring itself out. And I've also had like, which I'm sure you've probably experienced too, where I'll lay down and I'll have a pen in my hand and it's almost like the pen kind of takes over and it just naturally flows. It's called something. Do you know what that's called? It's called something specific. Stream of consciousness. Yeah, but it's like, it's called stream of consciousness writing, but I think there's another word if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but Mm -hmm. there's like this flow to it. And more oftentimes than not, when we sit down to either, you know, write things down in our journal, that's like our private, you know, emotional space. And oftentimes it's not always, and it never is for anybody, but that private space isn't always quote unquote pretty, but what comes out of that space can sometimes be so beautiful at the same time that it, it allows us to recognize that this human experience, although can be tough and rough and dark at times, there is this pressure cooker that's happening that's allowing us to experience experience these maybe difficult times or what our mind defines as difficult times to to pull something out of us mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah i love it I'd, I'd love to share a Absolutely. piece about this specific thing that you're talking about from the book if that's, that's absolutely cool. yeah. roll with it yeah all right so i'm kind of going a little bit off the cuff here um with the one that, I mean, they all have this component to them, but specifically there's a recognition that not only do we have that. What page are you on? Can can I pull it up too? Yeah, this is, so it's page 169 and it's, it's actually called stream of consciousness. And Uh, and it speaks to this idea and um, what you you had talked about the pressure washers and i wanted to go back to that because that's such a key part that often gets overlooked is what is the tool that we're bringing to the wall mm-hmm. right a pressure washer yeah. is going to create a different effect than a rag or our hand or a sponge and as you know, an inner work coach and as you meditation and yoga teachers, all the things that we are doing, the tool that we bring is deeply informed by what's happening on our wall. And and that's a little bit where Enneagram, we had talked to, uh, you know, off, you know, offline a little bit about the role of Enneagram. And to me, that deeply informs that. Um, But there's another recognition inside of it that, um, there's a certain, in fact, the, the piece before this, we can talk about too, it's called the inevitable and, the, and then they're next to each other in the book. There's a certain inevitability that if we do that work, it it does come out. So when like the mm. beauty, the art, like when we surrender to the inevitability of what is seeking to express itself through us and we become that channel, then it just moves and we get to be co-creators with it. So how are we in relationship to the inevitability? And there's not a, 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 you know, Sanskrit, which we both studied is not 
a language that is as robust as English, although it is uh, the Indo-European root of it, it is a language that holds this word in it that I find really beautiful, and it's satkaryavada, and it means essentially that the effect is present within the cause the inevitable that like if you plant a strawberry you know put a seed in the ground for you know strawberries you're not going to get watermelons or hibiscus like something becomes what it is and the pressurization that occurs when we are in some sort of tumult sometimes is the ripest environment for us to begin to percolate and it's in that percolation that we come into our aliveness and and into that stream. And so it's a little bit of a double entendre when I say stream of consciousness in this sense, it's, it's written that way, but it's the idea that we are the stream of consciousness, right? And it's like the awakening of the potential that's within us that maybe we don't know that it is a strawberry or that it is a watermelon just yet until that potential is like shaken up a little bit and put in the right environment. Yeah, yeah. And and the mystery of like getting to unfold, not just with that, but as that. Right. I, I'm I am the strawberry, right? Like, <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I had no idea what I was unfolding into in a moment by moment way. And we get to be in an enlivened relationship with the mystery unfolding itself through us and as us and yeah. and reflected back to us in one another. And <laughs> wow. Right. So and good. So, yeah. So we get to, you know, th this brings me to this space. Uh, this act, this piece was actually written while I was teaching a yoga class and then everybody went into Shavasana and I was just meditating. And oftentimes that's another way poetry specifically tends to move through me as I'll hear words when meditating. Um, so I had to, mm -hmm. you know, kind of dip out of the meditation and, and, and write. So Anyway, this is called Stream of Consciousness. If silence could speak, what would it say? If stillness could move me, how would I sway? If my wisdom could reflect a deeper truth, what would I remember today? I'd remember that alchemy is my artistry, that my wounds aren't defining me, but pointing pathways back to finding me. Reminders of the places I've asked others to see, but this time to do it differently. This time I'm the one who's choosing me. Was there ever a time I wasn't free? I can still recall spirit's voice before this choice. Would you like to dance with me? I said yes to the invitation calling me. I said yes to the Shakti swirling me out from beneath, cocooned within a hidden form, taking birth just to be born, taking birth just to be. All kinds of yes. <laughs> mm. So potently truthful and it gets you in the heart. Mm. I don't know if to, maybe you need to do this on audio because like your voice too, 
brings so much oomph to all of the words as well. Yeah, I feel them as spoken. In fact, uh, there is an audio book. I just finished recording it. It'll be out. It's being edited right now. So for, this? for anyone listening, yeah, the whole book is oh, on audio. Perfect. And I recorded it myself. And then also, in addition to the audio book, uh, creating an album with mantras and music for with select pieces, uh, which yes. is a collaboration with a friend, Matt Swanner, who's an incredible musician. But yeah, it's uh, your voice it's, is it's needed nice to, to like, yeah, like the way in which you speak these words, it almost leaves like a hum afterwards. Like, mm. <laughs> it's so beautiful. A little ohm in the background. Yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> a little ohm in the background. Wow. Yeah, there's another one that I'm feeling called to share there's an index in the back that so for you referencing it um, or anyone that may have it and wants to follow along and it's it's called blooms and it's also about this process and it's page 145 and sometimes when i i, I sort of intuitively sense of like what what is asking to be shared Absolutely. Yeah. So this one just felt relevant, maybe for you. That's how we flow here. Yeah. (laughs) And I think maybe this one came up for me for you, Shelly, because, you know, we were talking about motherhood and, you know, you know, know, you're podcasting, you're momming, you're you're, all the things that you have. All the mom, all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Is so much. And um, so, yeah, this is called Blooms. Then one day, she just stopped. She dropped it all. The efforting, the forcing, the resisting, the telling of yesterday's stories. All of it halted. And in that tiny, miraculous, and merciful moment of disrupting her arduously entrenched lifelong patterns. Something within the soil of her soul had changed. She softened. She felt her breath for what felt like the very first time. She opened to a seeing that saw a different reflection. One that reflected her majesticness back to her. She showed herself to herself and she fell to her knees, not to weep, but to bow. She bowed to her original dignity. All that she spent a lifetime giving so freely to others, she gave to herself in the shelter of her own love she bloomed. This resonates with me on so many levels. One that I'll share most recently. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Vikings. Mm-mm. You've ever seen it, but um, Lagatha, she is the um, maiden and she's a warrior. She's a woman and she's a warrior. 
And towards the end of the series, she said this quote that really touched home base for me. And it was like, for so long, I've been holding the shield and moving forward, you know, for my, for myself, for my tribe, for my people. And I realized that there's so much to learn on the other side of the shield. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa like slapped in the face. Right. And we'll get, I won't get too, too into it, but astrologically in my natal chart, I've always previous lifetimes have always been one of giving and my North node and my South node, they communicate with one another in this lifetime. My lesson is essentially to also learn about the self in, in such a way that is not necessarily selfish, but holds a bit of that selfishness there is saying like, these are my boundaries. Like, yes, I am all of these things. Yes. I give to all of these places. I'm a nurse, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, all the, all the things. Right. But at the same time, like being able to sit back and say, I need my breath, right. I need my space. I need my time. And mm. I'm not making it an, like a, a, a negotiable at this point. It's a non-negotiable. And very much so because in my being, I know that I hit these ebbs and flows in these moments of pause. And those moments of pause are also moments where I bloom a different bud. And it's just another layer and another layer of the understanding. And I just recently posted um, a quote and it's about, you know, self-development is also about self-awareness. But at the same time, we have to not read the books and read all these different things, but also begin to learn to read ourselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. Is, right. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. like we're so into like, how can this book change my life? How can this person, how can this practice, how can this tool? Right. But at the same time, there's so much more in being able to sit and be with those emotions like you have in this book and be able to translate that in such a way that you're beginning to fully understand the self at a deeper, deeper level and full of compassion and love at the same time. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm writing this poetry about how I hate this person, right? It's like, okay, this is where I'm at, but this is where I'm going to be able to also find this, this element within myself that is able to find that beauty as opposed to holding on to like the the tension or the trauma or the pain. Mm. I love that so much. I, I appreciate everything you just shared so much and can feel your heart in it. And yeah, I just, again, want to take a breath to let it wash over me really. And mm -hmm. let's take a collective breath. Let's, let's everyone take a collective breath right now. Feels so good, right? That conscious pause. Yeah. I heard so much in what you just shared, and it's really beautiful to see when we take advocacy for our own self in this way, when we come to recognize that that's not selfish, you know, for you to set those boundaries and say, I'm going to do this for me now. That is for all of us who share space with you in your life, it's in, it's in service to all of our relationships when we can bring our healthiest self to them. And, and, and 
or at least the, the curiosity and the willingness is we develop the capacity to bring this, the healthier expressions of ourself. I, I had a lot of curiosity around the shield. Like, what is the shield? What is your shield? What is my shield? And it, we, we hear these things and we, we just sort of like kind of gloss over like the metaphorical shield, but your, your shield is the way that you learn to stay safe and protect yourself. And my shield is the way that I learned to stay safe and protect myself. And oftentimes it's our shields that are in relationship with one another. And that can be okay if, if we are equally committed to being curious or, around what's on the other side of the shield and what is the shield and how do I speak to a way that your shield can hear me that you may feel safe enough to lay the shield down so the part of you that is asking for a need to be met by the shield can actually be deeply met in the most authentic way. And I think that that's, to me, the purpose of like this book is it's not about, I'll say it this way, the highest expression of this book is that it could be a mirror, right? Absolutely. Just reflecting back that that curiosity. And that's why it's not written, da, 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 you know, what it's, it's in doses, like digestible bits. So you can yeah. sit down and, and be with the process that it awakens inside. And whether it's through this method of this book, and we're talking about that today, but what if we saw each other as mirrors and we moved through life with that, that curiosity of interesting to see what came up for me um, what if I spoke from my authenticity, you know, and, and so, yeah, there's a lot in there. It, it does bring up this other um, one I, I can share yeah, unless you have sure. one. No, no, go for it. So I do have to comment and say, I felt very much yeah, so as I was like moving through this on my own um, a couple of mm. times. So my, my evening practice is I journal and then I usually either do a couple tarot card pulls because that is my tool of reflection. Um, but then I reached for your book a couple of times and it really is very much like a mirror. And, you know, when we think, when you said that, what, what kind of brought, came up in me. It's like, everything is a mirror. Like I remember, you know, laying on my yoga mat one time and in my mind, I was like, I'm going to pretend this is a full length mirror. And what is my practice, you know, showing me, what is this person showing me about myself? And it isn't always about yourself, but I think when we, as you said, are a little bit more curious as to what is happening within us with interactions, we could actually see each other as tools right? We could see each other as these vessels and these instruments from a higher place and from the universe, giving us an opportunity for that reflection and connection, right? Because it's like, it's that duality of yes, okay, like, I can see this, but how can I interact with it? Mm. Yeah. How am I in relationship with what is arising within me and around me? Right. Better, right. better said. Who, <laughs> no. Yeah. Just reflecting back to you. Right. Who, who am I showing up as? And right. um, to me, it's about um, it, it, in the way that you might sit down to meditate, like in front of an altar, it's, it's literally seeing life as the altar and how do we show up where is so in this moment that this conversation is our altar yeah. and 
what we're doing with it that I really love, and it's reflected in the piece that I'll, I'll share is we're we're not super planned. When we spoke about what's the format for this podcast, you said I like to just go with the flow. Is that cool with you? And I said hundred <laughs> percent. You know that 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 is our relationship to to the aliveness of it, right? Yeah, and it's it's our ability to stay open as a vessel for spirit to move through what needs to be said instead of having our minds so, you know, formatted and constructed and structured as far as like the flow of it, of life itself. We can't control that. And that is a part of, yeah, you need to plan a little bit, but at the same time, the surrender part. Mm, yes, 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 yes. So I'll just, I'll let my <laughs> response or my share and that be this piece. It's uh, Perfect. This, is page, um, this is page 85. And you were referencing earlier again, that idea of it just coming through you. This piece was never edited. So it was, as long as it takes me to share it with you, it was as long as it took to write it. It just sort of felt like it was coming through. And a little bit of a flow state. It's called A Day in the Life. What if I made each day into a ritual? I'd wake up each morning with the aim of switching the habitual. Like the interstitial of a crystal whose fistful of seeming imperfections are actually wayfarers, pointing ways to new directions generating predilections that transcend the pretensions of the carefully constructed images we often portray, but prefer not to mention. What if I begin my day one hour sooner, when the moon and the stars are like silent crooners serenading me into their mystery, while I sit in meditation and consciously observe my relationship to my ingrained mental patterns and the way I perceive them? and to the emotions they produce and the way I believe them without questioning their reason or their truth. On this seat on my porch under the moon, I'm more like a sleuth, a mystical detective choosing to become more selective with the beliefs I believe and the possibilities I can achieve if I didn't continue to keep my best tricks hidden up my sleeve where the dreams I envision for me export themselves from outdated shelves in the land of make-believe, where the power to succeed is rooted in the premise of me choosing me. Then I take some time for me, nowhere to be, and most likely head to the beach to take a bath in the sea, just floating like seaweed with no aim and no goal, just an hour to float in this body and mind where I give myself permission to feel undefined. I would give myself permission to feel undefined. Then I'd open to this day's part two where I enter the phase of the me's and you's, the hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? When the truth is so much more complex. But maybe we feel too perplexed to answer the question with, hmm, today I need rest, or 
I'm really fucking blessed. Or I feel like there's a giant gaping hole in the center of my chest. I'm living in an empty nest and I could really use a hug. What if our conversations felt a little more snug, a little more vulnerable, and even a tad more transparent? See, then it'd become apparent that we're not in this alone, that we are each walking the maze through the lows and highs along the pathways back home. And instead of privatizing our pains and exaggerating our gains, we could refrain from that guise and open our eyes and become mesmerized by the beauty of it all, the rise and the falls. What if I saw each conversation as a ritual, an invitation to practice truth unconditional, knowing these choices are pivotal in reaching the pinnacle of our collective potential where each encounter is instrumental because they reveal the signs and synchronicities that unravel our mysteries and unprison us from our history. And as the day turns to night and the yang yields to yin, I turn back in away from the active and into the receptive, where my perspective becomes more perceptive of the things I unconsciously picked up along the way through my day. I take some deep breath. And exhale their grip. And I'd start to slip into a settled mood of ease and gratitude. And as my eyes close to fall asleep, my awareness opens to awaken to my dreams, opening to enchanted worlds and lucid scenes where celestial beings chant mantras into the skies and project yantras from their third eyes, opening wormholes to new worlds of fractal formations that yoke through our chakras and they invite me to sip matcha while dancing ecstatically around fires that are portals to lands where beings are immortal and each one is luminous. And then one leans over to whisper in my ear that they are all just me. They are all just me. Tatvam asi. The one in we, and giving me my mission for my earth expedition and setting me free back out of my dream that was maybe more real than the reality we ascribe to the world we see. Then the sun comes up and I open my eyes to create a new ritual for this new day because I'm a creator by design and that's what creators do. So that's my truth. How about you? So much weight there. Mm.
like lingers in the moments. Truly incredible. I'm in awe. I'm speechless at the moment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> silence is cool too it is it is but then people on the other side are going to be like uh did something happen to the recording <laughs> <laughs> we're still here guys we're still, we're still here. with we're you still <laughs> in some way shape or form oh my goodness as a moth flies on my wall interesting um gosh like there are so many layers to this that again, like you said, at least for me, it resonates in such a way that makes you feel like you are not alone, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this, this beautiful blend of how existence has come into being for each individual and then being able to bring all of that together in such a way and, and, a poetic way, which, you know, we all know that the English language falls short of really being able to express in its totality, any language per se, the emotion, but the way in which you and your voice, along with your words put together in such a poetic fashion, speak to one another energetically, there is this sense of emotion that is that moment within it which I've never really come across with poetry in such a way and I do have various different poetry books that I would just randomly flip through but these maybe it's because you are very conscious of self and very conscious of spirituality whereas the other poetries that I was kind of connecting to there were just you know um not that they weren't but it wasn't to the extent that I could maybe grasp, um, but the way in which your knowledge also comes through with spirituality and the weaving of the two, it's, it's a beautiful blend of what I like to call the practical woo, right? It's like the ability to use what we've been given in this human experience as tools, whether it be language or whether it be, um, you know, words or the way in which words are put together but it's, it's more, it's more than that. It's so much more than that. Mm, absolutely. I think what I hear and actually feel from you in this moment as well is transmission, right? What, what is it that we are transmitting in a way that words can't reach? That is the, we can feel it in the tone and tenor of each other's voices and we can sense into an energetic current that is always already here. And how we develop what I believe is a skill, this is what I focus on so much in my coaching work with people is developing the skill of listening and listening inwardly. And what I think of as like inner recollection, we are recollecting those fragmented parts of ourselves and getting quiet enough to sort of um, mortar them back together almost the way like a shaman would do soul retrieval Mm. work we get to make art out of that mortaring process like like a mosaic that would create 
something beautiful out of all the pieces that have maybe fled and drifted or been hidden behind that shield. And we get to turn it into whatever our offering might be in, in whatever lane of life we're in. And, uh, and so for me, maybe it comes through in this expression for you, it comes through in a different one. Dharmically, we are each called into, you know, our own, our own channel. There's this beautiful verse and really an ancient expression of poetry, the Bhagavad Gita that says it's better to try and fall short in one's own dharma than to succeed in the dharma of another. And another one is no effort um, towards finding one's essence is ever wasted. And, you know, so those are things to me that like really are, have been pillars of support is those remembrances. And, uh, you know, you had asked me before you wanted to touch on, um, the idea of what it to, to call forth from within oneself, the act yeah. of being seen and that right, there are yeah. people listening right now that, Hey, I want to write a book or I want to share this truth or I'm going to do this thing in my life that I'm really feeling called towards. And it can feel so fucking terrifying. Actually. Like, yeah. you know, you, you know, you're doing this, that, oh my God, this is, I'm speaking this conversation and it's archived for, you know, Ever. in the, in the CMBR. Bite me in the ass one day, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, here it is. And, and we're, we're, we feel so um, vulnerable in, 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 in being revealed in these ways and being seen. And sometimes that's our shield is we're just hiding simply. And I'll, I'll offer this, um, some people have asked me that I'm friends with, if we're just like grabbing a coffee and they'll say, so like, what did you have to overcome, you know, in order to share this and put yourself out there? There's a lot of intimate elements of this. And I, um, I I don't know that I reached the point of integrating that um, fear before sharing. Um, Rather, I felt another fear that felt bigger, which was, um, I put this as an alert in my phone, uh, actually for, for about two years, I woke up 7am every day, this little alert rig off in my phone that said, don't die with these writings on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just nudging me out from behind my shield. I love and that. So that just became bigger than the fear of being seen was the fear of, of dying in a way that lived in, in such a way that was unseen. And right. That's a powerful, potent, you know, statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think it, about it, it's a biggie, and, it and we we kind of hamstring ourselves in these ways because you know, for me, it was the fear of rejection. I would imagine authors that I had looked up to, um, teachers that I had looked up to, poets that I had looked up to. Um, reading this and sort of hogwash and flinging it across the room. Who are you to write this? And, uh, and overcoming the, it felt safer to stay small um, than to be rejected because rejection was my core wound. So I would present my shield is, Hey, it's all good. I go with the flow and um, got it all together and behind the shields. And we'll do this in, coaching work is well, we just take a paper plate and on one side of it, where what is the face we show the world? And on the other side, we'll write, 
what is the face that's hiding behind it and um, and learning that all the ways and this, this is sort of the mechanisms of personality that Enneagram can be so helpful for is learning all the ways in which we outsource or, or externally um, direct what it is we've lost contact with within our own being. And so if my fear is rejection, my longing is for acceptance. If I'm asking for that for you, can I give that to me? Not that relationships aren't essential. In fact, so much of our healing happens within the context of relationship. And one might model back to me those things, but there is also an element that says, hey, what can I give to me that I've been asking for from you? Can, am I able to meet that need now? And so when I return to my own being and say, hey, I accept you, I'm not rejecting you, I love you. I choose you, I see you, I hold you, I got you, I love you, and I'm not going anywhere so that I can feel safe enough to put the shield down. It's amazing. And how does it feel now being top 15 on Amazon for new release books worldwide? Um, when it comes to meditation and poetry, you know, it's like you're stepping, you're, you're sharing how you felt and now you're on the other side of that, right? Where it's like, wow, what does that feel like? How can you translate that maybe in, in poetry <laughs> um, <laughs> in your own way of, of going through the beginning aspects, those emotions, the hiding behind the shields, the process of putting things out there and then here you are and you're just like, I mean, personally, I'm in awe. So I can only imagine that you too are in this sense of awe. Mm, I, I love this question so much The like, so the other side, right. And, and I will answer it with a poem because there's a, a poem that um, is really about this actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll just share this. This is um, page 132. I do not respond in <laughs> normal conversational <laughs> language anymore. <laughs> That's quite all right, honestly, because like, honestly, because I think that the English language, and I'm probably, I mean, Spanish, like their words, because I speak Spanish, it's a little bit different. It gives a little bit more emotion. But the mm. way in which you put these words together and not just saying blatantly like xyz it does emit an emotion that would not have been there if we were just to use like the layman logical way of language absolutely you know so that's I, the beauty of I, art in general right exactly yeah. so i'm i love that this is the way that you respond to things <laughs> <laughs> sweet well this is really about that sense of like hey is 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 receiving an accolade on Amazon or a book sale, like the validation, like there's a sense of like being happy for it, but not right. from it, if that makes sense. Right, 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 and, yes. And there's a piece in here that's kind of around that. It's called Because, where we're like, it's about like, we're the cause. Like we can be happy for things, but not from things. Sat, sat for things, but not from things. But anyway, without um, diverging too much, this is called Snaps. And if you've ever been to a spoken word jam, um, you know, we mm -hmm, the snaps. <laughs> snap it out. That's our way. It's beautiful in the way of like, like, yeah, I felt that hit me. So like just giving you that feedback and it keeps the reciprocity of energy. And it's, it's amazing here. I was writing it in like before, like 
you know, the before you just referenced the after, but when we're in the before and we think about the after, are we going to get the snaps? Are we going to get that top 15, top 10, whatever ranking? Are we going to internally? Yeah. 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 But the way like we can, we, we, we hanker after that as if that's what will finally determine that, that this was, you know, valid or worthy, you know, the way that we ask for it from others. And so anyway, so this piece is called snaps. What if life was a poem? I would put my pen to this paper absent of a plan, not standing in suspended anticipation of snaps, of validation, and an imaginary poetry slam. Can I drop my attachments to the outcomes I think I need, as if their adherence to my insistence would deliver the salvation I seek? What if the immensities seeking to express themselves through me were not measured by their reach or their scale or the volume of their breadth, but by the volume of their depth? Because when I take my last breath and give birth to my death, I seriously fucking doubt I'll still think it matters what more I could get or the images I constructed constructs erected until they ultimately erupted, dismantled from the mantle of my ego, a stand-in, constructing a self in place of the self I abandoned. No more band-aid. No, this time I'm revealing. No, this time I'm peeling back the layer. No, this time, I'm deconstructing the beliefs behind the thoughts, behind the feelings I've spent a lifetime feeling. Beliefs anointed by apostles, appointed by a matrix of pathologized powers that usurped my innate worth in my precognitive nascence. This is my inevitable transformation. What is the universe's refund policy on achieving? I'm thinking about exchanging it for receiving. This is my seeing. This is my unbecoming, my freeing from the idea that I'm not already free. I am remembering this truth, which was forgotten. It's not liberation through incessant plotting. I've been praying for patience to let things unfold, but now, I'm feeling a deeper call to just let the fuck go. No more growth, no more seeking, which implies that something is lost. My work is embossed on my heart. I've seen it inscribed in the deepest depths of my meditation, no more external salvation. There's a new intonation in my aura. I don't want anything more. My ground is my ground. My soul whispers loud. It's pierced through the shroud. Self-worth isn't earned. In our essence, it's endowed. Did 
truth that's felt. Yeah, thank you. So it was kind of coming through me as I was sharing that, that, you know, the top 15, the five stars that does, they feel like they have the potential to be addictions, like falling into the forgetting that like, that's what makes me worthy. Like what makes me worthy is nothing, you right. know, like your little baby, you know, you, you hold that being of light in your, your arms. And I ask you, like, what did they have to do to be worthy? Absolutely and the answer nothing. is absolutely fucking nothing. Nothing. Just nothing. by being. And we are that. We're that. So I want to I want to hold myself in that light. I want to hold you as my sister in that light. I want to hold yes. everybody that's listening in that light. In coaching, the same thing, mirror. Like, I just want to reflect your beautiful light back to you and not give answers or anything, but just like, and hold your hand and walk be home with. together, be with you as you figure it out, you know, and, and, and just share in that beautiful humanness that we're all navigating. And it's also too, with what you said about cradling my baby, it's like the universe is cradling us, mm. you know, in that sense, it's like, you are worthy. You are here, you are worthy. And it's time to let your light shine. It's time to step into your light, into that potential that we've kind of been like discussing throughout this conversation and it's the social constructs that have sometimes been projected onto us, whether it be like through, you know, society itself, friends, family, whatever the case may be that we've adopted as our own and, you know, the traumas and the fear of rejection and the fear of being heard or seen mine was being heard, you know, cause like, as I was growing up, like I would express certain things to my mom and my mom would just like shut me down and be like, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be thinking like this. You shouldn't be doing this. And my ability to be heard and being able to be seen in my own light was dimmed down by projections of who she thought I should be as a good girl in church or whatever. Like, she, you know, to this, to the day that she passed, she thought that I was like summoning the devil with tarot and the yoga and all kinds of things. But regardless of where that comes from, there is a piece of myself that stepped into a deeper truth in my being outside of the truth that was being projected and told to me was truth that allowed it was something bigger like you said it was it was a voice that was bigger it was fearful but you know fear and excitement are two sides of the same coin it's like whatever you're scared of that is where you need to step forward because within that there is growth and within that there is understanding and within that there is power in 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 that that energy and in that frequency of, of almost kind of like the best way that I can describe this is like when you're feeling like deep rooted sadness and you have that big, big sob, or you're having that really, really intense fear. Um, you know, I'm just going to kind of give like an example of something a little, little silly. It's like, I'm really, really scared of the dark, right? Instead of allowing the, the logical aspects of your mind to take over, drop into that emotional space, right? And feel it. And when you feel it, it's almost like that, that, that intensity of fear or that intensity of sadness almost loses its power over you. And at the end of that, you find your joy and you recognize that like, wow, okay, like this is who I am. This is where I'm intended to be. And there's this, this, for me, it was a deep, deep sob of not actually having the relationship that I wanted with my mother and 
being okay with understanding that maybe that was not who I would like my, my construct of what I wanted our relationship to be wasn't what was meant for me in this lifetime. And I had to, to separate myself from that and see what was and what is, as opposed to what could have been in my mind and mourn it. And in that mourning, there was a sense of freedom and there was a sense of release that gave me the empowerment to step forward in my light, regardless mm-hmm. of what was being said constantly or texted to me constantly. And, and, you know, when you're standing in that, that growth and that firm foundation rooted in a deep sense of self, nothing else does matter. And that's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to word vomit all over the fucking airstreams. Whoever's supposed to hear it's going to hear it. Whoever's not supposed to hear it's not supposed to hear it. I, my, my, my inner desire is so powerful and overcomes all these other fears that I know that once this, this is put out there in some way, shape or form, my growth begins. And it's not like your growth begins when you hit top 15 or when you get that five star, when you have 1.5 million you know, reviews, that growth continues to happen regardless, right? If you're, if you're staying, you know, within that energetic frequency and space of this is, this is how it's supposed to unfold for me, as opposed to, again, allowing what's around you inflict and poison your potentiality in such a way. Yes. And thank God we have this conversation and you recorded forever because that was beautiful. And yes, yeah. <laughs> snap, snap. <laughs> snap, snap it out, snap it out. Yeah. Snap it I out. mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I tell everybody that they I I need to get back over there at Kula. If you are in the South Florida area ever and you want to check out an amazing yoga studio, Kula Yoga Shala in Jupiter, Florida is amazing and so at home and so warm and there's just so many so many different um walks of life there that help your soul grow you know you go to a lot of other yoga studios and it's like the body the body the body you step into kula and you automatically feel that it's a different vibe it's a different place to be and scott is an amazing instructor hence why i went to um his teacher training which he's you're still doing now are you still are you doing the 500 hour now too because i remember that was kind of like on the table and i think it did it launch already last year maybe so so we're talking about launching one this year there's a lot of this year. Uh, balls in the air yeah we right now yeah for folks that are local to the south florida area we do have a a 200 hour starting in mid-February and oh wow uh, and then anybody that's anywhere in the world I, I know it'll kind of be last minute from when this gets launched this podcast but uh Tuesday January 18th I start a four-month um online live streamed meditation teacher training which is something I'm super excited about because it gives us more space to really um, dive into some of the the deeper nuances of Dharma as well as neuroscience and trauma work, which a lot came up with what you just shared for me of you know how we come to sit with our grief and the the parts of ourselves that haven't yet been met with love and understanding and and how we can approach that work skillfully and 
compassionately for ourselves. There's a, there's a lot, this whole other conversation, honestly, inside yeah. of that process, but absolutely. So yeah, you know, there's um, the teacher trainings or something I deeply, I think I just have a deep respect for the tradition and the, the ancestry, the inheritance that we're receiving from people that have scoured, you know, inwardly before us and learning to not just receive it for oneself, but with the intention of holding space for others is really profound. So whether it's through coaching, meditation, yoga, writing, those are kind of the channels through which it comes through me. But I encourage, you know, whoever's listening right now, whether you're sitting at home or you're in your car driving, just to, you know, take a moment to connect with what is seeking to express itself through you and what is really seeking to be born. Here we are, the, you know, this is being recorded right on the cusp of a, a new year, a great symbolic time where we tend to, as cultures, step back and say, hey, how am I living? Am I, you know, in, but not about like what always, it's not about creating a grand to-do list, but, you know, like really celebrating our spirit and, and aligning ourselves, you know, um, rather than defining ourselves. And I think that's a big part of it. So yeah, there's, you know, everything that if for folks looking to find and connect with me more in these different things, we just spoke about my website's called dharmadealer.com and actually finally just got that launched after again, years of <laughs> sitting probably a, a few new year's resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it happens that's how it happens and all of uh scott's information will be in the show notes the link to his website as well as a link uh to purchase his book on amazon or on his website you can also purchase it purchase it as well and i'm personally interested in doing a 500 hour teacher training so the next time or when that officially <laughs> happens i would love to do it because uh, again I've been searching for the 500 hour and I was looking on your site a couple of, I'd say maybe like a year or two ago. And I saw that it was coming soon, I mm. think. And, um, I was like, yeah, I think I, I would feel like so much more at home doing my 500 hours with Scott and the uh, cool clan that's over there. So mm. something that's definitely on my new year's resolution and goal for this upcoming year is to do that 500 hour teacher training, but you've got so much to offer and you are putting out such potent, powerful, um, not only just a presence, but a being. And I am so grateful to know you, grateful to have interacted with you and to be, you know, involved in all that you're doing and a part of it in the same sense. And again, if you would like to connect with Scott in any way, shape or form, everything is in the show notes at the bottom of this podcast. And thank you so much, Scott, for carving out this time. I think we need to, we, we touched a little bit about the Enneagram, but I think we, we need a whole other dedicated podcast for that because that is definitely something that I'm very much interested in learning more about. I know a little, but not much, but I know that um, a lot of my listeners do love all of these different tools and tactics for self-awareness, self-development, self-development and um, self-knowledge. So I think this would be a great, great um, tool to begin to incorporate in the podcast as well. So mm-hmm. thank you so much yeah. for your time. Thank you so much for your words and just being you and being here with me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor and a deep joy also to witness you and get to be here 
and really see up close what you're doing and how you're sharing your gifts and stepping into your truth. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Lots of love and hugs and we'll chat again soon. Thank you.